This is The E-Commerce Leader, a show just for you, the owner of a thriving online business. In this bite-sized episode, Jason and Kyle share a practical tip that every e-commerce leader should know. Let's jump in. Let's stop, start talking about the habits and attitudes associated with success in e-commerce. And um, the way attitudes work is, as John Maxwell said, attitudes determine your altitude. And you really have the opportunity to um, think your way into effective behavior. And that's really what this comes down to is what, what internal dialogue do you have that leads to outward activity? You still with me? Am I frozen? No, I can, I see you. Awesome. Okay. So um, it's that internal dialogue, those attitudes that lead to, and we've all seen it. We've seen people who have a good business, but their attitudes um, Mm -hmm. create behaviors and they, and that run it into the ground. And so this whole section of, um, you know, these, this next chunk is all about these attitudes that we bring to the party and attitudes of success and avoiding attitudes of failure. Um, So, uh, you know, it's, it's really true that e-commerce sellers can mess things up with their emotions and sabotage their own success. And that's the, like, it's sort of the worst situation to be in as a e-commerce seller is to actually have success, to have done things right, product wise, brand wise, sales channels wise, and then to run it into the ground because uh, you right. know, your mind uh, runs you off track. So that's what we want to talk about. Sure. So I've got three yeah. topics and I, no, that's good. I, I think this clicks with your work. Um, and I want to, I yeah. want, I'll, I have some examples that are your examples that you could um, explain to us, but the, here's the first very, one. The very, first, very cool. first attitude yeah. we want to work through is, uh, and think about is a customer first mindset. And customer first mindset, and I use those words very carefully because um, customer first doesn't mean that we don't win. You know, it's like it can't be it can't be like you're a slave to a system and you never end up winning. That's not that's not a good entrepreneurial attitude. But too frequently, what we see is you know if you put like us on a string, you. Your needs, wants, desires first, or customers, like on one end, generally speaking, an an error that I see is um, Mm -hmm. the entrepreneur wants their way first. Right. And so this is, it's fascinating to think about. Um, I I always think of Michael Gerber, the E-Myth guy, um, in his, uh, his writings, he talks about four types of preference. And those types of preference, um, you want to think through, is it my, my preference in these four areas, four areas, or is it the customer's preference? And right. having a customer first mindset says, no, for these areas, it's going to be cut the, what the customer wants, not what I want. And so the four are, yep. um, the, it's pretty straightforward. The first one is a visual preference. You know, does, your, does it look the way you want it to look? Or does it look the way customers want it to look? And as creatives, like artists, you know, because I consider myself sort of a writer, sort of at the core of what I do. It's really easy for me to say, uh, I want this to be what, you know, I want it to look like what I want, 
And that's a huge mistake. Uh, so the visual Definitely. needs, needs Definitely. to come in the way the customer wants it. Second one is um, emotional preference. How does it make you feel? Yeah. Does it make you feel happy? Does it make you feel stupid? I mean, does it, do you, are you setting it up so you feel good as an entrepreneur or the, the, the customer is going to feel good? Uh, so emotional preference. Third one is design preference. How does it work? You know, how does your product work technically? How's it laid out? And then financial preference. How is it paid for? How is it financed? Those four things, if you think about those with the, that yeah. customer first mindset, you go pretty far into getting your head right around success in entrepreneurship. And I, my example that I would love for you to talk about is just like, um, I remember you said one time that when Gary was working on his product development stuff, he went to Amazon, read reviews. He did, yeah. And you tell that story because I mean I think that's customer first thinking all the way. Yeah, yeah. So we we have a, we sell a sketchbook in our company, Lead Art Supply, and so one of the channels in which we tried to to do research on was actually Amazon. Our plan was to launch on Amazon, to sell on Amazon, and we're like, okay, here's what we're developing. Here's what it's currently in the market, and our competitors are, but how are the competitors letting down the market? That's how, and that's how we look at product stuff now. It's like, how are the competitors' products letting the market down? Where's there a gap in that? And so we'd go to the reviews and we'd sort, because you can sort the reviews in Amazon by the negative reviews. And we would just sort by the negative reviews, one star, two star reviews, three stars. And we just start reading through them, taking notes, reading through it, taking notes. Like, okay, they, they don't like this, don't like this, don't like this. And pretty soon you have a really clear snapshot of where the product is missing the mark in terms yeah. of serving the market. And then we try to incorporate into our design of the product solutions that serve those gaps. I so. just did that this morning on one of my books in Amazon, my Instagram power book. I looked mm-hmm. and some of the reviews were negative. So I looked, I just looked deliberately at the last like five or six, like one star reviews. And the, com- right. and the feedback was consistent. This is so basic. It's like for brand new people that never knew, know about Instagram or it would be like, um, this is written in the, like the first or second year that Instagram came out. So it's super basic. So the feedback was, it wasn't that they didn't like what I had, it, like what I made wasn't for them. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I need to have like Instagram 2.0 or, you know, the, like the more complicated because right, right, right. my book didn't have that stuff. So what you're right. saying is Gary teed off on that to develop his product. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That's fantastic. Yeah. So that's customer first thinking. Now, the other example, that's, a, that's at the product level. And the other thing, he just did that recently, I think, when his group, uh, in the group, when um, he asked the question, hey, w- would you want a book that has dotted, li- dotted pages or lined pages? And, I was, and it was a survey he did. And that was customer first thinking again. Because, you know, he could have gone to his time and effort and just said, well, I want one that has dots. And, but he didn't. He did a survey. And it had the customers lead the way. Um, so super right. cool. Super cool. Are you there? Are we breaking up? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? 
based on that concept. Based your minutes on that. Sorry. On my back? Yeah, are back? You're, you're back. You're back. Okay. My right, Wi Fi kept like dropping coming in now. Okay. I know. What I, what I was trying to say was that that, that part, part of that process and being customer centric and focused and going through and seeing what the market is asking for but not receiving is helped us launch a couple products now that have been yeah. really successful. Like out of the gate, they are being loved and bought and highly reviewed. Mm-hmm. And that's really key to your success. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's fantastic. Um, And I mean, that's just the recipe for success. Um, Or it's at least a recipe for having a a better shot at success. Yeah. Um, The other thing that's, I think, it's all about kind of positioning yourself. Yeah, for sure. You want to give your best shot at success. And this is just one of the things that will help you kind of position yourself for a better shot. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Another uh, one, the other piece of this that is fascinating to me is the financial piece. Like how do customers want this to work financially? So obviously, you know, you, you and I, we've got courses on Udemy um, and the, the online learning space is fascinating to me these days because you've got such a wide range. You've got courses for $5,000 and you've Mm -hmm. got courses that are free and everywhere in between, you know, it's like, how do customers want to, pay for online education. I yep. mean, it's, you know, so Udemy has got 20 million customers now. So, you know, part of it is like, you know, you've got to decide how do your customers want to pay. Google's obviously Google's breakthrough yeah. was Google wasn't the first to come up with a search engine. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that, but but when you think about it, like they came up with innovation related to free information, free tools, free services. Like Google Analytics right. could totally be a $200 a month product or a $1,400 a month product. Um, but it's free. And obviously yep. their business model is structured in such a way that the advertisers pay. And that's a financial, that's a financial um, you know, revolution in a way in terms of their product design um so thinking through this stuff you know how do you how do you make it affordable in the way that customers want um so that's customer preference um the second big thing is um customers goals come first and uh, marketers always talk about this like um meet a need find a need that um you know Mm -hmm. you can service or fulfill or satisfy what is the underlying need? Like, you know, they always say, oh, copywriting classic stuff is, you know, customers don't need a screwdriver. Uh, they need a screw in their wall or they don't need a, you know, a drill. They need a hole. Um, that's the need. And so customers' yeah. needs have to come first. And this is where, see, because entrepreneurs at the heart of it are control freaks. So mm-hmm. we're in business because we want to be in control. But if you push that too far and you say, well, I'm going to be in control of this experience um, and the customer's needs don't come first, you, you'll, you'll end up with a habit that puts you in a position of failure. And so a position of success is, okay, what's the customer want? How does the, how's the customer want it? I even think of Steve Jobs, who's like the perfect example of the most ultimate control freak. Mm-hmm. But um, if you go back and read his biography, like, oh, there's this picture behind me. Yeah. Um, listen to his, uh, to his biography, um, and the story of his life. 
the early days, um, Waz wanted to just give away the handout to the integrated circuit board. Like, hey, here's how to make a motherboard. He didn't think there was value in it. But Jobs is like, no, let's put it all together for them. They would prefer it that way. They don't want to do it themselves. They just want to buy the thing done. And um, even his earliest innovation was correct Mm -hmm. in what the customer actually wanted. And at every evolution of his entrepreneurial success, he was always making these massive gambles about what a customer would want, even before the customer knew they wanted it. And, you know, his in that. Uh, But the customer's... Yeah. got to come first in terms of what their goals are. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. I think uh, Bezos and Amazon are a good example of that too. Yeah. Right. They're that's, I, I was talking to someone who's fairly high up at Amazon and they're like, you know, you can, you can script a lot as an Amazon employee, as long as you don't violate the customer's trust. If, if you're, even if you like launch yeah. a product or you're trying to do a new service at Amazon, you have this great idea. As long as you're trying to put the customer first, in that process and you're thinking about the customer and their experience and you're trying to do it to serve them, it could totally fail and you'd still be okay with your job at Amazon because you're, you're true to that core uh, value. Wow. And it's customer service. And they based all of their decisions on how do we serve the customer better, faster, two day shipping, free shipping. We're going to get it to them faster, 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 give them the selection that they want. And that's, that's the core of their business. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's the first attitude uh, habit and that's customer first mindset. And you get that locked down. I mean, literally if that was the only e-commerce rainmaking habit you had on lockdown, you just said, I know how to get the customer first, dude, you'd crush it. Yeah. You know, um, because so much of this stuff is it, it will immediately play out in how you behave. Yeah. And so that's the first one for this week is customer first mindset. The second one is a little bit complicated, apologize, but let me just explain it to you. And that's what I, I, I love the phrase. I didn't come up with it. It's a Reed Hoffman phrase. He's the founder of LinkedIn. And it, what, he, what he refers to as being an accurate contrarian theorist. He's a smart guy. Accurate contrarian theorist. And so what, he, what his whole idea is, You've got to pick something that not everyone else is doing. <laughs> it's like pretty obvious, but you've got right. to come up with an accurate contrarian theory for what customers will want. And this is where, to be completely candid, so much of the e-commerce training right now is totally screwed up, totally wrong. The gurus are the stuff the gurus teach that are, hey, go to Alibaba, pick a product advertise it on Facebook, make a million bucks. This is like, it just, that's not a month. (laughs) Exactly. That's not professional e-commerce work. That's shenanigans. That just, it's, it's snake oil. Um, The real question is how do you find a product that you can position that's different than the existing products in the marketplace? And so this whole idea of being an accurate contrarian theorist, it's so, cause what, what you want to be able to do is know um, the customer um, desires and the, with the offerings in the marketplace so well to say, you know, there's no product in the market for our customers that looks like this. And right. that's what I want to implement. 
it's not saying there's 20 million that look like this. And so I might as well make the 20, the, the, the you know, the next one. It's you've, you got to find an accurate contrarian theory that you can, mm-hmm. you can work towards. Um, and that's where you start to find magic happening. And so here's, you know, the, the idea here, a couple ideas. First one is blue ocean versus red ocean thinking, mm-hmm. which is if you're not familiar, blue ocean strategy book, go read that and geek out over this idea. But what you want to do is find blue ocean space. This is the idea that um, the red oceans are where there's tons of competition. All the marketers are competing against each other. Facebook advertising right now is a red ocean in my mind. I mean, there's just, everyone's trying to use Facebook advertising. It's a red ocean. There's tons of just, it's just a a giant gladiator academy fest of just competition. Blue ocean thinking is where are, where are there free spaces? Where, where are there no competitors hanging out? Um, And that's the idea that you want to work through. So blue ocean strategy is fantastic book for that. Um, that's hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in, I, I was sitting, sitting literally for 10 years trying to think through how to get a product that I could sell on the internet. And most of my dis dysfunction or just most of my just thinking when I wasn't acting was because I didn't understand this one, um, idea. I didn't have this attitude on lockdown, this accurate contrarian theorist. What I would do is I would, I would analyze a market and I would say, well, here's an idea. And I would play with the idea. Think about the idea. I'd never execute on the idea. And that was where, you know, it would fall apart for me. So. And I think, Oh, I was just thinking in terms of the context of this conversation, we talked to last week about the dream, right? And a lot of people have the dream, but these are the habits that help you to get to where the dream becomes a reality. Yep. If you start to implement the things that we're talking about now, because it's easy yep. to have the dream. Yep. It's a lot easier to turn that dream into the reality. Yep. I and mean, yep. that's, these are the things that we're, that we're sharing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and so in terms of attitudes, the difference between being an accurate contrarian theorist and being a critic is really important. Like if I just looked at this, the art supply sketchbook space and I walk in, I look at all the journals. Nah, this one's ugly. This one's dumb. This one's whatever. That's being a critic. Anybody can do that. That's just like such an easy. There are plenty of them online. Exactly. It's such a simple. They're all the the internet trolls. Yeah. The internet trolls are everywhere. But but being an accurate contrarian theorist says not only can I criticize what's you know not there or whatever, I can also propose an alternative that customers would like more and test yeah. that. Um, that's the difference. And that's a huge difference in terms of mental behavior because it, it puts the burden on you as the entrepreneur to say, no, crit- this criticism is way too easy. That, that's not, not yeah. even worth, that's not even worth the discussion. Yeah. The, the only thing that's worth a discussion is do you have a counter proposal conceptually that you can put into the marketplace that could actually be a breakthrough product? Um, you know, that's the interesting piece to me. So, okay. So that's yeah. the first chunk is blue ocean versus red ocean. Then the second chunk here for, for this idea is offense and defense marketing and thinking this attitude 
in your mind is it's not just enough. And this is where, I mean, I don't know how to, I, I hate like being a downer to people who are newbies, but I just have to be honest. The first hurdle is, is finding a product that you can sell, but that's just the first hurdle. The second hurdle is, can you actually defend it in the marketplace over the long term? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're number one on Amazon. Right. Because all that does is expose you to about 10,000 competitors that are going to try to beat you. <laughs> you know, the question is, can you figure out a way to play defense? Mm-hmm. And there are ways to play defense. One of the ways to play defense, a classic way, is Warren Buffett popularized the phrase of creating a castle with a moat. Mm-hmm. You know, how, and how do you, so how do you do that? So obviously having a strong brand. Right is a moat having a big customer list or a big email list, you know, a big list of prospects, that's a moat. Um, and so, you know, you'd want to think through these things, having a, a cost structure that no one can beat. That's a moat. Um, you know, these are the types of things you want to start to think about. How do you create defensibility? And that the mindset of not just being like, Oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to beat everyone. That's not a, a, an attitude that will allow you to survive in an e-commerce land. You have to be both offense and defense, just mm-hmm. like in football or whatever, you know. Um, so thoughts on that? I know I talk, I yeah, talk about I think, defensive marketing more than anybody I've ever heard of before, but I, that's important to me, you know. It, well, it's important. And it's particularly important for you because you've sort of established yourself also as a pretty heavy hitter in the niche that you're in and you have people probably trying to come up and take a little bit of your market share all the time. Other sellers, other people trying to build out, you know, doll clothes patterns like that. And for, for many people, especially if you're just getting started, you're like, okay, I don't have any, uh, any sort of brand awareness or any sort of market share. I'm always, I'm always thinking offense, but if you kind of structure your thinking around, okay, I'm going to try and take market share, but I also have to do a good job in protecting what I'm taking in terms of market share. And that's the defensive side of it and thinking through how do you, how do you make that part of your strategy moving forward? I think it's really important. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Defense. you got to figure out how to play defense. You know, one of the biggest ways, Big companies play defenses. They just have a bigger marketing budget than everything else. Everybody else. Sure. I mean, you know, it's like if you're an entrenched person in the marketplace and you're making ten million dollars a year and you can spend a million bucks a year on advertising, right? You can just make your up upstart competitors pay an excruciating amount mm-hmm. to get any customers by now, just you know that's flip- a defensive tactic. For sure, for sure. The flip side of that is the big, big brands that are trying to, that are everywhere, they're spending millions of dollars and like these highly talented creatives that are leveraging social media to try and take fashion brands and create these new things with hyper-targeted niches that they're going after and and creating out these spaces and taking market share away from these bigger brands and causing them to have serious issues. I mean, Toys R Us. Yeah, just went bankrupt today. Yeah, like they're they're like we can't compete. We don't understand the the changing dynamic of the marketplace, and 
here they are. You so know? you just described another defense tactic, uh, tactic, which is hyper niche targeted. Yeah. So, um, and, and so think about it in like militaristic terms. It's like, how do you, how do you survive? Right. If you're in a big battle, one of the ways you survive is you find a spot that you can defend mm -hmm. and that no one can, um, you know, attack you on. And that small niche is really one of the ways to do that. I mean, that's that's how you think about it. And so, right. you know, if and, and it's funny because the Internet has made everything so amazingly interesting in that the smallest niches can more than satisfy your income needs. Yeah. You know, I mean, how much do you need to make? Right. And can a very, very, very small niche give you that amount of income? And it's such a small niche that the biggest competitors will be like, no, we can't, we can't really invest time and money into that. That's too right. small. You know, it's too small of a, of a exactly their area of the market. That's how, that's one of the ways in which I've survived. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Because if you think about it, you, you know, okay, here's what I, I, great money, I'm making good money, it's fantastic. But if I'm like, what if I try to expand my market share into broader categories, two, three, four X, you have to be careful yeah. what you wish yeah. for, yeah. right? Yeah. Because you might say, that's a great idea. Our company would have more yep. exposure and be making more money. There and are giants in those areas. There are, right? <laughs> and they will see you and be like, and no. You. And they will come after you and try to you know, push you back down in your little hole. So you have to kind of yep. weigh the, the cost. Weigh the yep. cost of you trying to expand too fast, too quickly, too big. But if you would own your niche and be hyper-focused on who you're trying to serve, it just makes it a lot easier. Like, so for us, like with a sketchbook, you can use it as a journal. You could use it as a notebook. You could use it to, to draw in, but our target audience who we speak to are artists, people who like yeah. to draw people who want to create art. Yeah. yeah. You can use it as a bullet journal. You can use it to take notes and people do. I mean, they've sent us things like, oh, I love this journal. I'm writing my diary in it or whatever. That's perfectly okay. I'm happy that they want to buy it and they like it, but I'm not going to, I'm not aiming for them. Yep. Because I want to serve artists. Yep. And, and that's, that's a choice that we've made. Yep. And so, and then, so here's how it works. So for those of you who are thinking like, well, how do, how does this practically work? You find one defensible place on the internet where you can outcompete everybody, even in the smallest way. And it's almost like having a, it's like having a little castle that you can use to then yeah. say, okay, what's our, how can we expand the circle of our influence to another category? But that, you know, that, there's risk in that. Yeah. But you can always say, okay, well, we've got this lockdown. How can we add a new layer that right. creates another layer of defensibility? Right. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, that's how you think about this stuff. That's the mindset you bring to this party. It's not just rah, rah, rah. Can I make sales if I have a product off Alibaba and, Put an ad on Facebook, you know. You know, one one helpful tool that people might end up wanting to use is in the training that we do on uh, omni-channel selling on Udemy. Yep. We, we walk through a pretty great framework, at least in my opinion, um, yep. of how to think about that in yep. a sense of a picking channel strategy. But channel strategy can come back to to also you can you could apply it to the yeah. product into market marketing strategy and brand yeah. choices as well. And it's 
it's really good. It's on Udemy. So people yep, are, yep, just, yep. They, can, they can check it out. Yeah. So that's the second uh, attitude we're talking about. So first one was customer first mindset. Second one was accurate contrarian theorist. And here's the third one, time and money manager. And the way, as an attitude, I mean, the way you want to bring your work, energy and money and effort into e-commerce is to think of it like you're investing. Yep. Um, and what, and what two things are you investing? Your time, your money, and your reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly, I mean, you know, leave that aside, leave your ego aside. Right. It's really mostly your time and money. And so, and this is where it gets really, this is the really, really hard part of e-commerce work is there's a couple, there's a couple chunks here. Um, you've got to have the tenacity. Here's my, here's a quote for today. Have the tenacity to endure testing, but to know the, the wisdom to know when the test should be over. Tenacity to endure the testing, wisdom to know when the test should be over. Yeah. Because you could spend years and years and years trying to make something work that's candidly just not going to work. Just a bad idea. And as entrepreneurs, we get obsessed with our own ideas. Mm-hmm. We get like we, we convince ourselves that this is a good idea. Right. And so having that tenacity say, well, I'm going to work hard enough to know that I'm going to hit some milestones and those these milestones I hit are going to prove to me that the customer sees things the way I do. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to say, look, this was, I just was wrong. My accurate contrary and theorist idea was incorrect. And you've got to get to that point. Um, but that's hard because, you know, so many entrepreneurs can, can have a good idea and they, they stop short. Yeah. They, they, they actually have a viable product and they, get depressed, discouraged, um, their emotions sabotage it and they don't have the tenacity to stick to it. And I know, I mean, this can be hard. This, the grind is the hardest part. And then the, but then the point at which you say, have I, have I exhausted, you know, my, um, opportunities here? And is this a bad, is this becoming a bad idea to pursue? Um, you could, be pushing the boulder, the wrong boulder up the wrong hill. Right. And then that's the hard thing about e-commerce biz is you, that's an, it's an attitude piece that you've got to get dialed in. Right. And that's why coaching is super important. Coaching. That's that's exactly what I was just going to say. Like that that was word for word. I was like, you need to have people who can speak into your life because it's easy. No matter if it's an e-commerce or just in life in general, you kind of get your blinders on. You're just trying to make it through. And it's important to have people that can speak from an outside perspective into your life and say, you may want to rethink that. And then after you do, you're like, oh, that's a really good point. I didn't see that. Yeah. Lately, and, you know, if you're watching this and you're not a part of our inner circle, then with inner circle members, you know, Kyle and I will do a welcome call with them. And then lately we've been doing our traffic breakthrough sessions with our inner circle members, which have been super awesome. But part of what I'm discovering as we do these conversations is sometimes people are part of our group just because they want an outside voice or perspective. Mm -hmm. They just need somebody to say, 
to them, hey, this is a good idea. Keep going. Because it could be. I mean, that could be. That could be. And that is sometimes what we say. Other times we do say, hey, I don't see this working. I don't see this ever working. So prove us wrong. But in our opinion, I just, this isn't, this isn't a brand or a product um, that is going to be viable. And that's a hard conversation. Yeah. Those are fun. But but that's why people want to be in our group because, because they need to hear that kind of feedback or other masterminds. I mean, that's why you have a real mastermind. Isn't just, Hey, here's a new idea. Here's a new idea. Here's a new idea. Yeah. It's also, Hey, let's look at what you're doing and, yeah. And really discuss the pros and cons of it. And, yep. 100%. Uh, what's working in your business? What's not working in your business? Yeah. Yeah. And good masterminds do that or, or good coaches. Yeah. Sure. Um, okay. So the, the final thought here for this um, time and money management attitude that, that you're looking at this like an investment in your heart um, is this 10,000 hours concept. Um, and uh, Eric Anders, I believe, was the uh, original author of the article, but Malcolm Gladwell popularized the idea of 10,000 hours. Basically, the idea that if you look at any complicated exercise, mm-hmm. um, chess, playing the violin, doing, you know, complicated things. Right. Um, if you look at the most elite people, um, there's this sort of 10,000 hours concept where that you know to get to the highest level of mastery and then the idea is that the the top echelon people um compared to people who are just sort of good um mm-hmm. there's a there's this ten thousand hours generally that have been invested on average for chess players it was one study but the idea in general is that there's there's time and money invested in this it just takes time and this is really where for a lot of um you know, online uh, people who are looking to make money, there is no push button, you know, get rich quick, easy e-commerce solution. Right. There's, a, right. it's just, it's not there. Cause if it was there, I would have found it. <laughs> you know? right. 10 years in, you're <laughs> like, Hey, I got to find some button. <laughs> I've never pushed that button yet. It's called work. It is, yeah. Um, and so, you know, so many of the noobs who come in who want to make an e-commerce business work, they'll hear about drop shipping or they'll hear about Alibaba and private label and just put, you know, Facebook ads and they're looking for those courses and they'll do one and it won't work. And then they'll buy another course and it won't work. And, you know, they're, they're constantly looking for this, you know, solution. And the, the only people who are making money doing that, are actually selling educational content, <laughs> the courses. It's the people who sell the drop shipping, you know, course associated with Shopify that make the money. And, yeah. and uh, so, you know, that's the thing about it is this 10,000 hour concept. And that, that gets back to time and money management. Um, right. You know, I, I always, when I think about what, you know, when I hear people selling stuff, I always think, you know, to myself, Oh, and if it's working, I think to myself, you know, would they say that was a good investment of their time? And if it's not working, I, I it's kind of the same question. Would they say spending time trying to market whatever is not a good investment of their time? And I mean, that's sort of the lens you want to look at. 
um, how long would you, how long would you invest in it before you say, hmm, no, it's not working. And this is the, this is the attitude piece that's tough because, um, because so much of this is done on a behavioral basis on energy, hype, emotion. I mean, you, you, you want to get into peak sort of action mode and say, okay, I'm going to do my e-commerce business. And you're doing that on this rush of hopeful emotion. And, and we don't want to discourage that at all, but right. there's, there's another side of it, which is to say, okay, when, when that burns off, when the sugar high burns off, can you find specific behaviors and actions to invest your energy and time into and your money into that are going to be uh, profitable? And so you've got to look at it that way. Sure. Um, yeah. And so many people will be like, well, I want to start an e-commerce business. How much do you have to invest? Well, $5,000. Well, how much of it you're spending on training? $5,000. (laughs) $6,000. So then, well, if you spend all your money on the training, but you don't have any money left for the actual business, then that's a problem, you know? So it's so easy to just buy the courses, buy the courses, buy the courses. Um, There's a point at which you say, no, I'm not going to buy any more courses. (laughs) I know enough. Yeah. You know, to take action. That's right. And uh, so that's really, yep. I think these are the attitude pieces, time and money, investment, attitude, an accurate contrarian theorist at heart and in, in, in your, your terms of your attitude, and then a customer first mindset, first three attitudes that I think e-commerce sellers really need to get dialed in. And um, it's interesting because like, think about any endeavor, like, um, you know, engineering or hunting, anything. Most of the time you'll get your directions sort of right. Like, hey, this is sort of how you do it. But what's interesting about Mm e-commerce and these habits is some of these habits can be completely wrong. You know, having having your own, putting yourself first instead of the customer first, that's like completely opposite of, you know, the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, and that's why these habits related to yeah. especially your attitudes and kind of the groundwork is so important. So last week we, okay, to, to recap, last week we talked about sort of the dream phase. This week we're just starting to get into the attitudes phase. We've got a couple more uh, sessions that we're going to do where, where we focus on attitudes. But then the third big chunk that we're going to start to look at is uh, the trade skill phase. Uh, so we've got dream nice, phase, nice. attitude phase, then we're going to do trade skill phase, and then we're going to do scale phase. So those would be the four big phases that we're looking at for the 32 habits of e-commerce rainmakers. Yep. Um, thoughts on this stuff? Because the actions, no, I think the actions and mindsets and trade skills will begin to vary over time and the levels of success that you hit the, the trade skill and skill set and attitude of a $20 million a year e-commerce company is going to be different than the entrepreneur who's trying to make his first thousand bucks online. But they all started at this spot. Everyone starts at the same level yep. uh, of, of skill. It's a matter of putting in the time and energy, 
doing the right things, having the right mindset, having yep. learning the right skills that will allow you to continue to level up yep. and see the progress that you want. Yeah. Good absolutely. stuff, man. No, uh, I totally, I'm totally agree. Digging I mean, this. We don't usually spend, you and I are how to guys. So all of our, tra- I've been thinking about this. Like yeah, all yeah. of our training is how to training. Yeah. So we don't usually spend right. much time on attitudes or dreams and goals. Right. So this is a little bit of uncharted territory for us. This is more of the mindset stuff. Um, but I think it's important, it's important foundation. Um, and then once we get those mindset thing, the habits related to our attitudes and our, you know, our goals on lockdown, um, you know, I do think that the trade skills are important, but the trade skills come and go. You know, what worked two years ago, three years ago, might not work right now. Updated all the time. I yeah, know. exactly. Yeah. But, exactly. but somebody exactly. who's hungry, somebody who's hungry and putting customers first and is constantly thinking about, you know, yeah. time and money management. Those yeah. are those those are eternal type, you know, attitudes. Um, those won't change, right. you know. And uh, even yeah. if you're just starting out or if you're, you know, at the top of the game. 100%. Yeah, good. Good stuff, man. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Let's let's be, up. Be yes. Done for today. Um, we are going to, for Inner Circle members, you'll know that we're going live tonight to talk about uh, Kyle's training this month, with, month which is uh, Google Shopping or Google Retail, whatever they call it, whichever of the two. Yes. And it's kind uh, of a so, combination, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, later tonight. So we'll be back on for our Inner Circle members. Uh, if you're not sure about Inner Circle stuff, yes. go to uh, winningonshopify.com and there's Inner Circle info there. Love to have you join and uh, get access to all our prior mm-hmm. trainings and also join our uh, private group. Get access to stuff like what Kyle's doing tonight, Google Shopping training. And uh, yep. And we also, of course, will do the welcome conversation with you. We do the intro calls for our new Inner Circle members. And we also do, uh, right now, we're doing okay. the, the um, traffic breakthrough sessions, which have been really, really interesting for people and really fun to work on. So Good. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All right, buddy. I love it. Good love times, it. Good man. stuff. Yep. See you guys online. See you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the e-commerce leader. Hey, don't forget to subscribe because when you do, you'll get notified. And next time you log into your podcast player, you'll see our latest episode nestling at the top of your lists. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening.